This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 180 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, the other side of carriage horses. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections offers the whole universe of equestrian shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford. Shop online at equestriancollections.com. Plus, Kentucky Performance Products, simple solutions scientifically proven. You can find them on the web at kppusa.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenn the Geek And this is Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network Well howdy Helena Hi, Glenn. How are you doing today? All right. Well, who would have thought that carriages in a city would cause us more consternation than any other show we've ever done? You know, we really have to, uh, we, we, we have to, we're doing a show here, aren't we? I guess we have more than 12 listeners. <laughs> but we're going to get to that in just a minute. There's a couple things. Uh, we're going to let the other side present their story, and we, we don't have any objection ever to doing that. Um, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But before we get to the serious topics of the day, I wanted to let everybody know that we're heading off. Uh, thank or, or I'm very disappointed that you can't join us this time. But uh, Jennifer and I are heading off to the Ada show, which everybody that listens to this show knows about. It's the wholesale retail show in Philadelphia where they highlight all the new products for 2012. So we're going to be heading over there, checking out all the new stuff, and then uh, we're going to be finding lots of new stuff to bring on Tack and Habit segments here on Stable Scoop uh, for weeks to come. So, That's right. Yeah. I have lots of stuff. And you never know. You never know. I just might get the wind up my skirts, <laughs> which would be enough to push me down Hop to Philadelphia. Hop on the train and head down. You never know. But, but, but you know, before we do get, um, what's that? I said that's coming up this weekend, so we're looking forward to that. And I wanted to mention that we'll be doing the Horses in the Morning show live from Ada on Monday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern at horsesinthemorning.com. And we're going to have a bunch of people, guests on with us that, that morning. So tune in at uh, 9 a.m. Monday morning at Horses in the Morning. That's actually a pretty good deal because there's some very interesting people that you meet at remember ADA. The, remember the last time uh, we got blown up by the air vests? That was my favorite all-time <laughs> trade show moment. That was the best. I think Jamie I think Jamie peed pants a little bit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, I enjoy that. You know, I've, I I do occasionally go back and watch that video clip just for giggles every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about the video clip. We should post that again. Very funny. But before we uh, we get underway with this week's episode. Uh, we want to take a minute to highlight and thank one of our sponsors, Equestrian Collections. That's right. Equestrian Collections has all the stuff that you need. That for You know, people, because the winter has been so mild most places, 
people are thinking spring already. And when you think spring, you're thinking, what, sheets and blankets and flies and showing and all the equipment you're going to need? Well, you can find it all at equestriancollections.com. Just take a couple minutes, hop on there. It's easy to search. They have about a million different ways to find products on there, and they have a ton of different products. You can find anything you're going to need for you, for your spouse, for your horse husband, if he's starting to get the itch to show, for your kids, or for your horses, all at EquestrianCollections.com. And we're going to see Chris. She always goes to the Ada show, so we'll see her down there, the owner of Equestrian Collections, this weekend. And I'm happy, you know, as I said last week, she's committed to another year here on a Stable Scoop Radio Show. And we're going to do start doing um, some product highlights of some of the things that they have available over there too. So lots coming up here on Equestrian Collect or, or for EquestrianCollections.com. Well, a couple things before we get started with our guests that I, I'd like to address of uh, the many emails and Facebook posts and, and uh, things that we received over the last week on this topic, which we, we didn't think would turn out to be one of the most controversial that we've done here on the Horse Radio Network. But I wanted to explain, too, the, the way we do things on, on the Horse Radio Network is that I, when we started this, Helene and I said, look, we we neither one of us like the news shows, the MSNBCs, the Fox News, and all of those, where they sit the Democrat and the Republican down and they fight it out. We just don't like that. That's not. I don't watch it because I don't like it. It just makes me uncomfortable, and I just don't even want to hear it. So we said when we do topics like this, we're going to have them on separately, and and uh, we're we're not opposed to presenting the both sides of the story. Obviously, we Helene and I both disagreed about this last week on the show. We don't. And, and we disagree on a lot of stuff. Helena and I are politically opposite of each other when it comes <laughs> to politics. Totally opposite. Totally, I'm right. She's wrong. That's the way it is. Ah! So, um, I'm right. But, it's a good thing you're in Lexington, buddy. <laughs> so we're just opposite. We're allowed to disagree, but we're still best friends, you know. And and you know, I'm one of those people that believe that that can happen. Now, but you know what? It does happen when we we when the conversation starts from a disagreement is we we listen we keep an open we keep our ears open and our hearts and minds open and that's how we learn from one another because if we all thought the same things i don't think we would ever learn so i think this is a good opportunity for us to learn about something that i didn't know before that glenn didn't know before and that our listeners did listeners didn't know before so ultimately it's up from disagreements some good things can happen right and it ultimately it's up to the listener to decide how they feel. Do more research than we're giving you here today because there's a ton more out there. Uh, we're just touching the surface here. So go, go, go research it. Find out for yourself. Um, the other thing is, uh, the comments, several of them that we got, is they wanted me, being the opposite side of last week's show, to go on more of attack of New York class. And I could have. I had lots of research in front of me. I chose not to do that because we don't do that to our guests. We're not going to do it to our guests today. We didn't do it to her last week. That's just not what we do. It's not our show. It's not our natures. I don't, I don't wake up in the morning wanting confrontation with anybody about anything, including my horses, okay? So um, it's just not what we do. It's not our style. If you like that style, there is plenty of shows out there for you to listen to or TV for you to watch. That's just not what Helene and I – we look forward to this every week because it's our bubbly fun time. Um, that's, you know, everything we do at the Horse Radio Network here, all the hosts look forward to it because it's, it's kind of our bubbly fun time. It's Helena's time to sit back and not deal with the kids and, and, and other things, to just have a little fun talking about horses. 
in the tack room. That's what we're, that's what we're all about. Um, now, as far as painting with a broad brush, uh, that came up uh, a bunch also in, in the correspondence we received. And we try not to do that. And I'll, I'll throw Helene a little bit under the bus. You, you started to do that a little bit last week. But, you know, in all fairness to the show, I came in and said, Helene, I don't think you can do that. And you said, you're absolutely right. You know, Helena realized that she was painting with a broad brush, and she backed off. I don't think some people heard that part. I just wanted to reiterate that. Now, we received that's okay. a bunch. I mean, that's that's one of the things that's important about being um, a good host or just a good person in general is is that you have to kind of listen to the people who, you know, again, you just have to listen. You have to open your ears, and that's why we do a podcast, so we hope that you guys are listening to what we say. You know, Glenn and I, we do like it to be fluffy and we're silly and goofy, but we also like to get the conversation going. It's like we throw in serious topics every now and then and we do it kind of goofy, but what that does is it gets you listening and gets you talking about it and gets you thinking about it and then coming to your own decisions or maybe it might inspire you to go and do some more research and find out more about a particular topic, whether it's light and fluffy or whether it's serious. I mean, there, we're, we are talking about horses, and it, it is not all light and fluffy. So there are times where we have to touch on that stuff. Um, but the idea is, and the only thing that I can suggest to our listeners is keep an open mind. And if somebody tells you, hold on, back it up, maybe you're wrong, take a second and say, hmm, could I be? Right. And here we are. Well, and I wanted to address one of the listeners uh, who actually wrote in and who I really respect. And, uh, you know, all the emails and notes we got, I'm going to read this one. We don't do this very often either, but I kind of think it's important because he, he has a lot to say about it. And he's very well respected in the driving world. He's uh, Mike Arnold, runs drivingnews.us. It's, it's the leading driving website. Drivers that compete go there for all their information. His son just won Junior Equestrian of the Year by the USEF for 2011 as a driver. He's 18 years old. This guy knows driving and he knows horses. So this is he chiped in on this topic, and, and, and I, it was very, very well done, and I thought I would read what he had to say. He said, Glenn, we, are just, we were just in New York City, and though we didn't have time to take a, take a carriage ride, I would have been surprised if he did. He owns like several of his own. But uh, (laughs) on Sunday morning, I stood outside waiting for a table across from the street from where they line up on Central Park South. The horses were in terrific shape. They were at least a condition score of seven plus. There were maybe two or three that may have been fives. I was very impressed with their coats and the harness and carriages seemed to be in good condition. I don't remember any that were particularly sway backed. I have seen worse at shows. There might have been three that were slightly small for their turnout, but not excessively so. Uh, And that means that the horse matches the carriage and the horse isn't too small for the carriage. Only one carriage that we saw did have an SMV sign on the back. Um, They all carried feed, and it seemed the horses were fed and given uh, at a given place and watered at a common water trough. The horses were very relaxed. They knew the drill, even though they were there. Uh, Even though there was a steady flow of carriages on the road, there was plenty of downtime, and they were very acclimated to the city. In no way were they carrying passengers nine hours a day. I would estimate a max of one to two 15-minute rides per hour, though it seemed that it was closer to one an hour. Now, this was a Sunday morning, so I'm assuming it was a little lighter. Uh, Where the carriages were driven in the park, there seemed to be no cars or trucks. Only Central Park South did the horses interact with cars, and I assumed to and from the stable. 
From what I saw, there were no abused horses or abuse of horses in any way. There, there may have been some exceptions. I didn't see them, and I was very impressed with the entire operation. So that's Mike Arnold's opinion, uh, being a driver and owning many carriages and understanding harnesses and, and the care of harnesses and carriages and all that better than, than Helene and I do. Um, so that was, I just wanted to at least throw in one of the emails that I got about this topic. Now, you addressed uh, some of the points, too, and there's one particular paragraph out of all the things that you wrote this week, Alina, that you wanted to address, and then we'll get to our guests. Yeah, um, you know, what I've seen, like I said, growing up in New York City, um, I just always take a look at uh, the horses. I, I look at the same things I think that Mike Arnold look at, looked at, um, but with a hopeful eye, you know, I, I want to come to terms with horses in an urban environment. So I look very carefully and I look for good things. Um, like I said, I, I have seen about half the time uh, horses that were, in, in my opinion, in poor condition. Yes, and I've seen very nicely turned out healthy horses just the way Mike has. Um, in terms of what I've seen that I thought was poor condition, do I call that abuse? Absolutely not. And this is what I wrote. Um, you know, and so in that term, I think that's a lot of people throw that word around a little too easily. So I disagree with Nyclass um, on the word abuse. So certainly, those horses were not abused. But I do still hold on to my opinion that New York City is an abrasive environment for horses. And I do still hold on to the opinion that when animals and bottom lines mix, it takes an extraordinary set of ethics for horse owners to put the horse first. Now, considering our country's current economic condition, I completely understand that need. I mean, many people do rely on their horses to make a living, whether they're pulling carriages or hauling students around. Um, so I don't believe that carriage horse owners uh, are, are devoid of those ethics. I, I'm sure that many of them adore their animals. And I'm actually looking forward to hearing from Christina and Steve today about, about that side, about how they adore their animals and how, what good care they do take. And if it was up to my wife, who's the country girl extraordinaire and doesn't like cities at all, she would say that a city is not a place for people either. So, yeah, I, I mean, agree with her. <laughs> so, I agree with her. So. And that's why I live on a farm now. That's right. That's why we live in the country. All right. So we have Steve Malone, uh, president of the Horse and Carriage Association of New York City. And we have Christina Hansen, who's the uh, PR person for that group. Uh, good morning, guys. Good morning. Thank you both for joining us, and I think we need to start with what is the Horse and Carriage Association of New York City? Is that something you want to address, Steve? Uh, well, I'll give you the whole demographic of the industry. I think it's probably the best way for your viewers to, to visualize what we are and who we are. Okay. Um, we're an industry that is made up of 68 licensed carriage medallions. Um, <clears throat> we have t roughly 216 licensed horses with the city of New York. We have 290 licensed drivers, approximately of which about 150 of them are employed. Um, I just want to touch that really quickly. The reason why the big drastic numbers is there's a lot of people that keep the carriage license that have other jobs in the event that they may lose their job and have it just as a background. Um, we're an, an association that is overseen by the ASPCA, the Department of Health, the DCA, which is the Department of Consumer Affairs, the Mounted Unit, and the Department of Parks regularly. Um, the ASPCA does daily random uninvited inspections. The Department of Health uh, inspects the stables and the horses four times a year. The Department of Consumer Affairs, they inspect the carriages four times a year as well. The mounted unit uh, does daily infractions when they're up at Central Park. The Department of Parks oversees us to ensure 
that we're following the Parks Department regulations properly. Um, other than that, what else do you need to know? I mean, we're well. The, the association that, is it made up of 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 the drivers? Is you know how was the association? Well, started? it's owner operators. Yes, okay. uh, we have we have owners that are owner operators, and myself. I have two carriages. I drive one, and I have uh, guys that work for me as well. So okay. yes, it's made up of owners and drivers. Now, did you was has been around for a while, or was this something that was formed in in reaction to all the criticism that started a couple of years ago here? Okay, very good question. As a kid, I'll give you a background on myself. My dad came from Ireland here in 1964 as a blacksmith. Okay, uh, is one of four brothers that were all blacksmiths from Ireland. Uh, he came here in 1964, and he began to shoe horses here for the the carriage business. Um, in 1980s, the early 1980s, there was an association that was put in place that was made up of the, the carriage owners. Okay. Um, then the our association was actually formed in the year 2000, um, <clears throat> where it was long before any of this ever came up, but we just decided that we needed to be a proactive. Uh, the business had, had been downsizing in the sense that there were more fleet owners in the 80s. Now there are more hands-on owner-operators. Uh, so we got together and we formed the association in 2000. Are there, that's a, that brings up a good question. Are there less uh, carriages uh, doing rides in the city now than there were 30 years ago? No, same amount since, since the 1930s, I believe, is when they implemented the medallions. Uh, what I meant by downsizing was guys that used to own maybe four or five carriages oh, now, own, now only own one or two, and okay. guys have bought into the business. Gotcha. Over gotcha. Time. Why, why is that? How come they're, they're downsizing that way? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily downsizing. It was the guys had been working in the business for a long time, and, and they, wanted to, they wanted to invest their livelihood. They wanted to invest their life in this business. Yeah. So instead of just and, you know driving for somebody, they... They approached the owners and then they bought some carriages. That's oh. all. So it was the drivers and buying I, I, buying the operation from their owners. At times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, yeah, and and I know from my conversations with other people that are in the industry that have been in the industry likewise for thirty years. You know, it, it really was. It's you know, you save up, you invest, you end up buying, uh, you know, a portion of the business from the large fleet owners. So you're really talking about a bunch of small businesses here. These are all small business owners probably going through and the same kind of small business to... crap that we do right, and I'm every sorry, other small i was just going to say probably going through the same kind of small business crap even worse in new york city <laughs> than uh, yeah. than the rest of us do that own small businesses right and yeah. basically what it was was a lot of times too um you know you have some of the older guys that will retire and, and move to florida or move back to italy or or wherever they were from and then the drivers would buy from them and then they would invest their their life into this business. Okay, so now before we get into some specific questions, uh, I wanted you guys, you heard the show last week, and and you heard what we said earlier here today. Um, So, you know, I I would like to you for you to address some of the things that were said about the horse's care and conditions they work in and things like that. Maybe you could address that first, because we are a horse show, and our listeners care about the horses. Christina, you want me to handle it, or you want to handle it? I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. Um, well, you know, I think one of the um, things that's, you know, really um, important to mention is that the the, um, 
there's sort of been a marketing campaign by various anti-carriage horse groups to frame the business as abusive. And, you know, that's certainly what New York Class is doing. I mean, the website URL is stophorseabuse.com. So they come up with these numbers and they say, well, you know, look at all these people who support us, you know, because they want to stop horse abuse. Well, I want to stop horse abuse, too. I think everybody in the industry wants to stop horse abuse. It's just there isn't any uh, in the industry, and there are mechanisms when there are very rare cases to deal with those things. Um, one of the things that came up last week uh, and comes up all the time in discussions about carriage horses is, well, there need to be more regulations. It should be well regulated. It should be, you know, we've got to make sure that the horses are protected and that they're well regulated. Uh, Stephen just mentioned all the agencies that oversee uh, the industry in New York City. I mean, they're, you know, just to take a, a horse out on the street in New York City, you have to have four licenses one for the horse, one for the carriage, one for the stable where he lives, and one for the driver. I mean, no wonder the rides are $40. Actually, yeah, I read through those regulations. It was quite, I was really surprised at just how many hoops you guys have to jump through yeah. just to operate your business. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, and so when this, and, uh, and, you know, I understand for people who are coming not from a horse background um, or something like that, saying, well, they need more regulations. But then horse people come and say, well, there need to be more regulations. It's like, when was the last time that anybody was in your barn as a horse person, you know, looking at every stall, checking every That is board. a good point, actually. <laughs> well, no, okay, they do come around. Uh, we've never had anybody I mean, ever stop at our barn. You know, I have. But, I mean, yeah. you know, and, and Janet, you know, ask Janet, myopia. Yeah, but the ASPCA is in the stables, you know, you know every week at practically. At yeah. will, whatever they want. Um, and... The, um, you know, like when was the last time you had somebody tell you at what temperature and under what weather conditions you had to blanket your horse? You know, it's, it's, it's the amount of regulation uh, the, the, the carriage horses are under. I mean, just the administrative code and the rules of the city of New York on laws touching on carriage horses, you know, is over 40 pages single-spaced. It's, <laughs> you know, so... The, you know, there are regulations. The industry, um, Stephen was a big part of this two years ago, of reforming the regulations and adding some more features into it to codify things that the industry was already doing as a general course of practice, such as mandatory five-week turnout in country for, for horses. Most of them get much more, going from vet inspections once a year to twice a year, um, you know, mandating that all the um, they, all the horses had to live in box stalls, you know, which they already were doing, but, you know, it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, the, the, the regulation in the industry is, is uh, very good. Christina, I is wish Is it cost that, prohibitive uh, to you? Is it, yeah. is it difficult to run your business with, like, is there any time where the regulations, you go, um, I just, uh, we can't take any more regulations because it's just... It's either costing us well, money I, to I can um, that. follow those. Or... Yeah, and, sure. and that is a good question. Uh, you know, we're able to do anything as long as it doesn't cost us time and space. And what I mean by that is if you cut our hours down and limit the number of hours we can earn a living and cut our space down to where we cannot operate in certain parts of the city, therefore, then it becomes an economic impact. You, you know, like Christina just laid out, 
and she laid it out very well. Five weeks vacation. Uh, all carriers must have hydraulic brake systems, biannual exams, winterized blankets, raincoats, uh, box stalls, probationary periods for licensed drivers, 80-hour apprenticeship. We also, what we did was uh, we, we closed the business down at 3 a.m. as opposed to 7 a.m., which took about a good portion of our prom business away from us. Um, and we also put a minimum age uh, at the time of purchase for the horse of five years old and no older than 20 years old. These are the types of things that can ensure health and safety for the animal. And so do you I guys have any, yeah. do you have a chance to, to uh, give your input into these regulations when they're decided? Are you involved in that process at all? Yeah, I mean, this is a bill that was driven by the industry to put forth. I personally drove this bill into the city council that this is what the industry wants to do. Because you, because how many, how many other horse, how many other horse, horse <laughs> yeah. people do that? Well, it, it was, it was, you said that the industry was, the, the association was put there to, you know, to be a little bit more on the offensive rather than defensive. And, and that was a good move by your point. If you were doing that stuff anyway, it just, it, it, it helped the perception. Yes. Yeah. And here's another thing that was done, um, 2000, I think it was 2008, 2009. I'm sorry, my dates get mixed up. We're all Teamster members. Okay. We have our own private local, local 553 with the Teamsters, okay? Again, if, if there was any abuse, neglect, or anything, the Teamsters <laughs> are not going to be involved with anything that can be in a negative Im- impact to themselves. They came to us because of the fact that we were the original Teamsters, and they know that... That's uh, where the name came from, by the thing. way, right? What's that? Yeah, That's where yeah. the name came right. from, Teamsters. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. I'd forgotten so it's that. It's very actually. important, you know. It, it, and th- this is just more regulations to ensure that, that things are being done properly and things are being done professionally. So does so? What do you want? What, what do you want people to know about? Um, like, if there were, what, what would you say? What are the top three things that you would really like people to understand, especially? horse people let's forget about the people who don't really know much about horses and they they think a horse who's you know relaxed is is you know stressed out but what do you want horse people to understand about your particular industry well i I would challenge anybody in the horse country in the horse world that wants to how would i put cast an opinion that the people in new york city aren't horse people um that's very very offensive to me in the sense that 90% 90% of our business is owner-operated. Guys are involved. Even the guys that don't drive themselves are in the stables, hands-on. We don't have trainers doing stuff for us. We do it ourselves. We are hands-on people. I would say I don't have an exact number, but 90 95% of the people that own carriages and horses in this business come from horse background, whether it be in England, Italy, Ireland, uh, Israel, you know, and we are horse people, and we we know the city as well as the horses. You know, it's like when so, a horse goes into an arena. There's a certain arena that maybe it, it, it runs differently. We know the city inside and out. We know what it takes to operate a horse business in the middle of New York City. I'm a New Yorker. I was born here, and I grew up in this business. Okay, 
So I know the lay of the land that I, that I could never bring a thoroughbred to New York. Nobody would ever bring a thoroughbred to New York. You know, so we need to know, we know the industry inside and out. And, and we are super proactive when it comes to safety. That's our number one, number one um, thing that we look at first and foremost. For the horse, first, for us as drivers, passengers, city involved, everything. I mean, that's the main thing for me. That, that, I can't express that enough to, to the horse world. Um, like I said, we're hands-on. It, it, we live and die with this business. And, and, you know, it's not, it's not what we do. It's who we are. It, well, it, it's something that, that we, we believe in, that. we're passionate, we invested in it. It's not what we do. It's who we are. And it's just like all of us that own horses and compete and do different things with our horses. You know, we... We we wouldn't be doing it without those horses, so we try we try and treat our horses right. I mean, that's just what we do. Right. Um, and there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that do that, but also have another job to go for their bottom line. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the horse for me, everybody says to me, "What do I love about my job?" Well, I have the best office in the world in Central Park. That's number one. Number two, I get to work with the best animal ever created, in my opinion. Okay. And that horse and myself and every driver and horse have a bond that you, unless you've been there, you don't understand. I mean, I've brought political people. I've brought celebrities to the stable. I've done everything. And people are amazed. I mean, my horse, he kicks the stall when he hears my voice. Yep. You know, if there was abuse and neglect and all this stuff going on and, and I'm not a horse person, it, those, these types of things wouldn't happen. Help me understand something then. Um, part of the reason that we that there's such an uproar is because I, I made a statement that um, I've seen myself, horses in condition that I, I thought were not acceptable, including um, foot care, uh, body condition, um, states of depression. These are things that – these are impressions that I, were, I was left with. Um, Clearly, this doesn't happen everywhere. It's not across the board. Um, as I said in the last show, this was a small sampling. I don't get back into the city very often, a couple of times a year. Help me understand why. I, now, I'm not, I don't have an uneducated eye. Um, right. Okay, so yeah. I know the difference between a horse who's relaxed and napping versus a horse whose head is held below the withers, which can sometimes indicate you know, depression or chronic pain or whatever. So, um, and again, I'm not saying that this is abuse, but help me understand that there are times when I see this and some other educated horse eyes see this. Help me understand that better. What am I seeing or am I not well, seeing it? Am I wrong? Well, I, I mean, I, mean I, I can't, you know, neither Stephen or I were there, you know, and we don't have a picture of these horses that, you know, gave you pause. I will say that... Um, there are, you know, Steve mentioned, you know, 216 or so licensed horses at any given time. About 150 of them are in the city at any given time, which if the horses are getting superior care, uh, if the horses are getting shot every six weeks on the long end, um, you know, that means that two dozen horses are getting their feet done every week. So, you know, there are 24 horses out there that are getting to the point that they need to have their feet done. Um, mm. you know, they come and go from turnout, again, with farrier care. They have to get their shoes pulled when they go out to the countryside, uh, and they go barefoot while they're there. And as well, mm. knowing you, 
have a horse who may be a, and you know, the five week vacation period, that's a minimum. Many carriage horses, um, you know, spend six months on the farm. That's not saying they aren't getting trimmed in, in, in the interim. They are. But, you know, barefoot horses, you go and put shoes on them, you might see, a, you know, a crack or a hangnail or something. As for horses that look, you know, what you're characterizing as depressed or whatever, um, you know, horses are individuals. Some of them do nap with their head below withers level. Um, you know, some of them like to put their front feet up on the on the on the curb, which <laughs> then puts their head, which then puts both their head forward and down a little bit. So now they're kind of withers high in the middle over their front legs as they go and take a nap. Um, I mean, last week, uh, Helena, you described, you know, horses standing in the gutter with their stifles locked, mm. uh, you know, trying to take a nap. And you know, yes, literally. I mean, they're standing by the edge of the road. Um, and, you know, but the fact that you described them with their stifled walk, you know, they've got a leg cocked, they've got their head down, they are taking a nap. You know, you, you pointed that out as being evidence that the horse was stressed with all this stuff going on and trying to take a nap. And to me, that says, that's a horse taking a nap and actually, uh, being relaxed and, and, and chilling out. Um, you know, the horses are there. I can just add to that too. I'm sorry, yeah. Christy, I didn't mean to cut you off. Just to add to you, that's no, what I had to throw in my head. In 2009, Dr. John Lowe, who was a dean at Cornell, um, came and inspected every single carriage horse that was in the city. Uh, and he has it on videotape. And for anybody, he could contact him. He'd be more than happy to show it to you. Um, and he came, I think it was, he found two or three horses that were to be uh, underweight, and most of which were overweight, and all their coats were in very, very good order. I mean, we don't, I'm not coming on your show to say that we're the perfect industry. We're, we're learning every single day, without a doubt. Now, there's a difference between quarter cracks and, and different types of cracks in horses, and there's by the way, of cracks. By the way, which I will add that and having owned Percheron draft horses uh, throughout my life, uh, pr uh, draft horses are prone to those cracks. Well, it yeah. actually makes a lot of sense now that she says that they get turned out for six months and their shoes pulled. Yeah, I mean, right. I, yeah. I mean, you get a, you put a horse back into rotation who maybe has only had you know just had his shoes put back on, or you know it takes a couple of trims before they get looking good again. That yeah, alone, you know, that that fact, months, you know. yeah. that, that fact true. answers a, a very big you know um, misconception. So I think having the backstory to some of these things explains a lot. Plus, you know, you look at a horse. You have one snapshot. You look at them once, and there's always a backstory to what you're looking at. That moment in time doesn't tell the whole story. And that's one of the things that I have opened my mind to is, okay, you know, maybe you're seeing things, maybe you're catching them when they're just back from their five weeks off. Or, and I wouldn't uh, want somebody to come and look at our horse right now because he looks like a mud ball that hasn't been brushed in 10 years. And that's <laughs> not true. He just rolled in the mud the last three days solid. Exactly. So, I mean, you, you're right about that snapshot in time. And one of the things we're talking about here is horse health. And we're going to come back with our guests in just a moment. But first, I have to tell you about Kentucky Performance Products. Kentucky Performance Products is dedicated supporter of several of the Horse Radio Network shows, and they offer a great variety of supplements, and one of them is Caraform. Caraform is a source of biotin, iodine, and zinc, which are shown to support the maintenance of healthy hooves and hair. 
These ingredients are combined with lectin and full-fat soybeans to provide a source of essential fatty acids, an ingredient that supports a normal, healthy hair coat. Yeast cultures are included and play a role in the maintenance of normal digestive function, making Caraform a well-rounded, affordable supplement. To find out more about this and all the products at Kentucky Performance Products, visit kppusa.com. Or you can follow them on Facebook. They put a whole bunch of nutrition tips up there. And you can find them on Facebook. Just search for Kentucky Performance Products. And we can thank you them for their continued support of our show. That was a beautiful tie-in right to health there in Kentucky Performance Products. Thank you, guys. I you just pat yourself that. on the back there. Okay. Hey, I have a question as a driver to get off the serious stuff for a minute because that's what I do. Um, is Do you guys use Borium? How do you keep them from slipping? What do you use for shoes? Yes, Borium and Drill Techs. <laughs> what, what is it, Borium and? Borium and Drill Techs. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, good. Not too much, just spots. Yeah. Spots along the shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, what we, that's what we do, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I had a pony we used to drive all the time on uh, on the roads, and boy, if you didn't have that borium on, we were all over the place. So, oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I Just to go back one second, yep. too, you know, I I outlined uh, what was in our bill uh, for Intro Thirty Five A that we implemented by law, but there were other things too, like hitching posts uh, that we would like to see implemented at the park to secure the horses, so that in the event that. Is you there know, any or now, or are they just standing there now? Is that no, there's, there's no hitching post. Okay. It's, this is a little thing that we've been trying to get for years uh, on end, uh, but it's very difficult because it has to go through landmarks and things like that uh, with the city. And as you <coughs> pointed out, the economic crisis, anything that's going to cost the city money, they're not going to be able to do. Right. Uh, what about, so hitching um, post was, yeah, Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I, I interrupted you. Finish your, your thought. Hitching post was one. Now, I don't know if either one of you have been to New York City recently, but in Times Square now and in different little hubs of the city, we have what they call pedestrian malls that Mayor Bloomberg implemented, okay, where he's closed down bolts of streets for people just to be able to go and walk on in the middle of Times Square, I might add, um, as pedestrian plazas. This is one thing that I, before they ever did it in the city, asked the city to do for our area, which is this, we have a little horseshoe at the back of Grand Army Plaza, okay? And we, we lobbied the city, because I sit on the rental horse advisory board for the city of New York. Through that board, we tried to implement a carriage plaza for the horse and carriages as well as the artists. You know, and we did either do it permanently or to do it on holidays and weekends to ensure the safety, and we reconfigured our carriage stands and everything like that for the flow of traffic on the other streets and stuff like that. That's another thing that we tried to do that was uh, put down. And we tried to make the curb lane along Central Park South just for carriages, you know, so that we wouldn't have to deal with cars and stuff like that. Like a bike path for carriages. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's another thing that, did, that I, on behalf of the industry, uh, attempted to get done, but... There was parking meters there that are there at the weekend, so it would cost the city money, and therefore that was shot down as well. So I'm just trying to say that as an industry, we're always looking out for the safety and protection of the horses and the care of the horses is, is paramount. Well, let me bring this one up. And I think it should be noted that the industry has a stellar safety record. 
Well, that, that, um, let me let me know. bring that up now because uh, I'll do this uh, when Helena. Um, because we, you know, we do our morning show. We do a live morning show. We're the only ones that do a horse-related morning show every day. And we watch every news story that comes out of – we have a Google alert for everything. And, of course, the big news, and you guys, this is where part of this heat started to come from, is you had, unfortunately, some horses collapse there in the street. And the press loves those pictures. Now, uh, I will say for all the horse people out there that are that are – cringing now that I'm bringing this up, is this happens all the time in shows all over the world. Uh, we have horses that uh, unfortunately have accidents and we have to put down an eventing. In, in any Horses will hurt themselves. Now, I do want to address that issue, though, and have you uh, give you guys a chance to explain what were we seeing in those pictures and what really happened. You want me to take the steam? Yeah, go ahead. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. So, so really... Um you know, there really were, um, you know, uh, several stories over the past fall that that um, were of, uh, you know, really got media attention around the world. And the first was um, Charlie, who was 15-year-old Percheron. He'd been in the city for a few weeks. He passed all his vet exams. He was going to work on a Sunday morning about four blocks from the stable and fell down dead, was dead within seconds. And somebody who happened to live upstairs from where he collapsed on 54th Street took pictures, and, I mean, they're just, you know, you know, these poignant pictures of the horse in the street and all the guys from the stable where he was at gathered around and, you know, trying to, to you know, do what they can, and, you know, there's nothing that can be done for him. And, um, and that went all over the world about Charlie. And what happened was really interesting what happened next. Um, the ASPCA came out. They took control of his carcass, uh, his body, and sent it off to Cornell for um, a necropsy, which everybody wanted to know why this horse had, uh, had died. And the ASPCA promised, promised, promised that they would be out with a preliminary report within 36 hours. Well, 36 hours, oh, and they condemned the industry. They said, you see, this is why there shouldn't be carriage horses in New York City. And, you know, 36 hours went by, 48, three days, five days, nothing. Finally, a week later, the ASPCA came out with a report, and it was actually released simultaneously on the ASPCA's website, New York Class's website, that... Um, the preliminary necropsy report showed that Charlie was not a healthy horse, that he had a fractured tooth and ulcers, and he should never have been in the carriage industry. Okay, but fractured tooth and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and ulcers describe half the racehorses in America. Yeah. yeah, so what, exactly. what, what, uh, that didn't kill the horse. What killed the horse? Well, they, but it they, killed, they our, it no killed our brand in, in the business. Oh, I, I, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, well, that's the thing. Is, so, so that was the preliminary necropsy report, but they could not find it. Wasn't, he didn't have any aneurysm. There was no... And as a matter of fact, the preliminary necropsy report, which the industry got from the health department, um, the, um, the uh, pathologist at Cornell was very quick to note that um, the uh, findings of the of the ulcer and the tooth were were incidental, which means they had nothing to do with the cause. Yeah, yeah, and every, any horse person listening to the show knows yeah. that, yeah, yeah. Well, but, you know, the public 
right. didn't hear that. You know, they said, By the oh, way, I, I have a cracked that. tooth right now. I'll let you guys know. And I probably yeah. have an ulcer, too, to be honest with you. You know. <laughs> well, you know. After so this last week. All of a sudden, there was this, you know, intense media scrutiny of saying, you know, look, the horses are dropping in the streets of New York. And suddenly, you know, as if the industry wasn't already under enough of a microscope. You know, I mean, it was literally, you know, horses would sneeze and people would be like, ah, oh, you know. So there was a horse, well, there was a, that, the Halloween snowstorm. And, uh, the, because all, it tore down all the trees in Central Park and on the plaza, the, um, horses weren't allowed to come out and work because they had no place to go work. So they were in the stables for about, Four From five Saturday days. to Friday. Um, Saturday, Saturday yeah. to Friday. And the first day they're back out on the streets, you know, there's a horse who's going home after having been out at work all day. And, you know, it's 6 o'clock, it's quitting time. He's happy he lets out a buck or something along those lines, or he, you know, tripped or whatever. He ends up getting a leg over his shaft. He falls down and gets all tangled up in the harness. And... This incident was captured on video by a New York class reporter who, um, you know, the horse was down and waited for his driver to unhitch him, push the carriage back, get him all untangled. You know, he laid there for it's always time to get up. And he got up and walked home and was fine. It was inspected by the ASPCA and found to be unhurt. But the press releases... You know, because New York class instigated the media coverage of this, said another horse collapses in New York City, which paints this as this, you know, catastrophic event like Charlie and um, paints it as there being something wrong with the industry. So, I, like, I, once again, I just, you know, they chose the word collapse. Let me add to that that opposed, being a driver yeah. uh, for people who have never driven before. Uh, we all have our horses get caught. Our horses get caught up in the harness for whatever reason at various times. If you drive constantly throughout a year, you're going to have once or twice that your horse is getting tangled up in the harness. It's just what happens. Yeah. Please, I tripped and landed and, in the mud yesterday because I got my foot tangled in the hot wire. <laughs> you know, but I, I have to say this because I again, it's, it's my position. I still, and maybe it's because I come from an urban environment because I I, I come from New York. Um, and I do find personally that the city is a very uh, grating, um, tension-filled place for people as well as animals. Um, I, I wonder, how do you keep your horses and your carriages and yourselves safe from other New Yorkers? From drivers. That's and a good question. And, you know, it's, and because, like, I know that this, this industry has been around forever and i appreciate steve that this is a family institution for you that this is just in your blood but it started at a time when new york city was i don't want to say less tense but it was it was different and perhaps the dangers although right. you know you could argue that there were less regulations at the time but too so you're but talking tell me about how external you, dangers though from I'm, from people who don't understand i'm just saying yeah. how do you mitigate uh the true physical dangers of, well, of cars and trucks and all that that's a good question. Uh, and again, it's what I, what I said earlier is I know the lay the land myself. I know what the sensors are for the horses that are in the city. We have to, and I teach all my guys, all my drivers, 
we're we're not looking. See, in the horse world, everybody's looking between the horse's ears. Okay, that the horse will tell you what the situation's going to be. Correct? Yep. Yes. That, that's in any horse world. Yep. I'm not looking through the horse's ears. I'm looking half a block down. Okay. I'm working with my horse five, six days a week. So I know what my horse is going to react to or not react to. Now, how do I protect myself from everybody else? I, I, I mean, there's no answer for that because how do I protect myself from when I get in my car to protect myself yeah. from somebody else? Yeah. What we try and do is take steps through the city to ensure our safety. You know, like the curbside lane, the pedestrian mall, different things like that. Um, Again, we don't bring, we don't bring hot-blooded horses, you know, to Manhattan. It's we're not about we're not looking to be a fancy business. We're looking to be a safe business. Okay, I could bring the most beautiful horses in the world here. We wouldn't make it a block. Yeah, the okay, Frisians would wouldn't that, do. You, you had a four-in-hand hitch of Frisians, you wouldn't get two blocks in New York City, probably. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we, you know, a lot of the guys. We try and we try and travel in twos and threes, if possible. Um, this way, if you have a horse that's a little spirited on that day, he follows the other carriage. Everything is fine. It's like having a lead horse only he's not attached to him. What's, um, what's so your, these are the types of things. Well, I was going uh, to let me ask you to to extend that before you, before you get off of that. What is the most dangerous? What is the biggest outside influence that is that affects your safety? You know, I don't well, know. Well, it, I asked it, that it would all. It, that that will all depend on the horse, and here's my answer to that. Okay. We're on alert with every single horse all the time. There's no such thing as a bomb-proof horse. No, we all know that. Okay. <laughs> there, there's no such thing. We're, when we're going in the in the park where there's cars, up 59th Street, where there's cars, to and from the stable, where there's cars, we're on alert for everybody around us. Okay, so... What do we look for? We look for construction sites. We look for street sweepers. We look for garbage trucks. Now, what the beauty of the garbage truck situation is, usually everybody's on a, they have their route, the garbage guys I'm talking about. They know about us, so they won't put the garbage in motion while we're passing. Or if they see us stop and the guy puts his hand up, he stops. And we have a working relationship with a lot of people in the city. Um, so those types of things is what we look out for. Now, I had a horse one time, I could put a jackhammer next to him and a street sweeper on the other side of him, but if you rode a bicycle towards him, he went crazy. <laughs> you know, it, it's just one of those things. I mean, horses, they're sensitive to certain things. They all things. have their things, yeah. Yeah. I had a horse one time, too, that because he was an Amish horse, he never worked at night. When the, when the clocks went back and it got, <laughs> it got dark earlier, he didn't know how to react. I had to follow a carriage in every night. Those are the safety implements that we try and take. Now, starting next summer, the city is going to be implementing a bike share program where they're putting 10,000 bicycles Are the they doing those things where you can get the bikes in one place and drop them off in another? Correct. Yeah. Oh, by the way, they have that in Lexington. Nobody ever uses the darn things. Right. Well, yeah. well Lexington so, is a yeah. little different, Glenn. Might be true. You really need to get to New York. <laughs> My wife won't go. You know, <laughs> even can, just can for dinner. Can we ensure that 10,000 people can get on bikes and everybody be safe? No. No. But you have to. You Actually, have it kind of sounds like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> right. You've got to take provisions. Yeah. You have to be 
knowledgeable. You have to be proactive and, and know the lay of the land and what you're dealing with. Well, guys, we're, we're and, playing and right. I'll, Go ahead. I'm, 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 some last uh, thoughts here, and we, we're running out of time. I'm I, I just real quick going to sort of build off that and say, you know, as somebody who's driven horses on the road, both in cities and uh, out in the country, I would much rather drive in the city because people actually pay attention a lot more there because you never know when there's going to be a UPS truck stopped or somebody crossing the street with a baby stroller or somebody walking their dog or whatever. So the drivers tend to be, you know, more observant in well, and they're going the slower, too. Let's just take yeah, they're going speed. Slower. You know, it, it, I grew yeah. up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, where we had Amish buggies everywhere. Yeah. And I cannot yeah. tell you how, ma- how many Amish buggies I almost squished when I come up over a hill, a blind hill, and right there's the buggy. You know, it's uh, – I, I have almost – everybody that's driven in, in a place where, where there are slow-moving vehicles, whether it's Amish buggies or whatever, has done that. I mean, it's just – it's yeah. part of it. But we do have and, to wrap and, here. I hope – uh, we're just plain running out of time. I hope you guys have yeah, feel like you've had a chance to, to tell the other side. And it was very interesting, actually, for me to listen to the other side. And I hope that the listeners now can go back and they can do more research if they'd like. Uh, and then they can form their own opinions. That's what these kinds of shows are all about. But uh, So when I come up there, I have a question, if, if I ever convince my wife to come to New York City. Um, can I take the carriage down to the play at War Horse? Uh, no. Oh, darn. That's See? a restricted zone. Okay, darn it. But and, and we would love to take you for a tour of the stables and the, the operation just to reiterate, you know, what we're saying, what we're going through. All right, well, we'll definitely and do sure. that for sure, because I do yeah. want to get to see Warhorse. I hear it's unbelievable, so I want to it's get to see It's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, thank you both. I really appreciate you, you being here and taking the time out today to do this. I hope it uh, answered some questions for some people. We're speaking to Steve Malone, president of the Horse and Carriage Association of New York City, and Christina Hansen, who's PR for that group as well. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your time. Thank, thank so you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, cut there. That's good. Okay. You, Great, guys. Right. Was that okay? Thank you. Right. That's very, very informative. My well, pleasure. we appreciate you guys, uh, you know, giving us the chance to um, giving us the chance to answer some of your questions and, um, you know, kind of give people a sense of what's really going on. <laughs> well, this this show actually will probably come out a little early, either later today or early tomorrow. And I will, Christina, I'll send you the link so that uh, you can put it up if you'd like. You can promote it wherever. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. Right, and like I said, we'd right. love to have you guys up okay. and see the operation. You'd be a personal guest of ours. You know, we'll take you anywhere you, anywhere you want to do. All they need is 24 hours notice. All right. Well, we'll definitely do that because I'd, I'd, I'd love to uh, if, if, as I said, I ever get to New York. So. Well, I'm there. So. Oh, yeah, you're not you're coming there. from Australia. No, Come that's on true. <laughs> it's convincing the wife to go to a city. She truly you know. is a farm girl. <laughs> that's all right. We'll, we'll put her up in a stable. We'll stay in a stable. That would probably yeah, be her more let, comfortable yeah. place to sleep. <laughs> Just tell her she can clean a stall or two. That might be keep her happy. Probably don't have bed bugs in the stables. <laughs> that's right. No, no, no. Definitely not. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. Take care. Well, Helena, that was uh, that was a good conversation. I'm glad we did it, and I hope people can go just make up their minds for themselves now what they what they what they think about that particular situation. And I still don't think I'm ever going to get Jennifer to go to New York, but we'll find out. All right, I have to go with you. You have to be my date. I'll, we'll go to Warhorse together. Okay. You be my date. 
right. Okay. You're the only one. You're the only other female she'll let me date. So I think that's <laughs> that's true. I love you. <laughs> All right. We have something more important to talk about right now, and that's us. That's the Horse Radio Network, because the ESMA Awards, which is the Equestrian Social Media Awards, is the second year for them. Uh, we, uh, the Horses in the Morning Show won last year for Best New Media Outlet. And we have been nominated again this year in a category number 19, which is Broadcast Media. So what it basically means is if we win this award, we can claim that we're the best broadcast media uh, in the world for equestrian, for the equestrian world. So we need your vote. We need you to go vote for us. Uh, and you can get there. Just go to our website. There's a big banner in the middle of the page at stablescoop.com. Follow that banner, and it takes you to the voting page. It doesn't cost anything. You just simply vote for all the different categories, one or all of them. You can vote for as many as you like. And you, you hit enter at the bottom, and you've done your vote. Every email address is allowed one vote. So, you know, there's a lot of our guests that have been and friends of the Horse Radio Network that are also been nominated for various awards. But this is becoming the prestigious awards for the, the social media, equestrian social media world. In one year, it really took off. And so we just would like your vote. We're up against some tough ones, Selena, I'm going to say. We're up against HRTV. <laughs> yeah, well, no, don't say we're up against some tough ones. You have to say we're in good company. Oh, yeah, we're in great company. We're uh, in press. Horse and Country in, TV, RFD TV, HRTV. Does that give you an idea of the great company we're in? Yes. Yeah. So, Please, in other words, we're the underdog here, people. Vote for us. <laughs> vote for us. That's Please. what we're trying to say. We're the underdog. So we need your votes. We would love to have them, and we really appreciate it. Next week, we're back to uh, a roundtable again, which Helene and I are thoroughly enjoying doing, and we hope we know that our listeners are enjoying it, too, from the reaction we've gotten, is we're going to be talking to a couple of owners of, uh, of boarding and training stables and finding out what it takes to succeed in that business nowadays and whether we can get some little tricks and what their challenges are, especially with the economy the way it is. And we're going to have somebody that runs a stable in England and then also somebody that runs a stable in the United States. So we're going to take a look at the differences between those two as well. So we hope you join us next week. You know, I do like the roundtables. It gives me a chance. It gives other people a chance to shoot off their mouth besides me. <laughs> Let them get in um, trouble. And- <laughs> You learn a little something. I actually know this is, um, I mean, join us because you do, you know, Glenn and I, we can talk till we're blue in the face, but that's only two opinions and two sides of the stories that we often cover. It is nice to hear other people chime in and get other people's experiences, um, folks who are, who've got their hands in this every single day, um, you know, from a professional perspective. So, um, yeah, make sure you listen in and and uh, let's listen. I one of the things that I like about hearing other people's experiences is you go, oh, you do that too, or yeah. I, you know, I have that same problem, and then it's sort of like sharing the solution. That's I think really what I'd be looking forward to is what are the problems and what are uh, are there any solutions that we can share? All right, that's it for this week. Don't forget to join us, uh, Horses in the Morning, Monday morning, live from the uh, from the Wholesale Show in Philadelphia. We'd love to have you listen in about all the new products that are coming up. And I think that's it. Uh, Lena, I don't think we need to cover anything else. Just say goodbye. Goodness, no, that's plenty. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to listen in at stablescoop.com.